In early childhood, what happens is you can kind of think of like children come with like a little toolbox. And during early childhood, what they're doing is they're learning different ways that they can deal with emotions and they're kind of filling that toolbox up. And so what you want, ideally, is in early childhood for children to learn lots and lots of different ways, to have a lot of tools so that when they are stressed or upset or sad, they can find the tool that is kind of the best for that situation. Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. We're still in our series on having healthy tech habits. And this is a really important one, especially if you are a parent or planning on having a family in the future. We're going to be talking today a lot specifically about healthy technology habits for young uh, children and for families and how you can implement those. And here to talk about that with us is Jane Shawcroft. She's a PhD student at UC Davis in the Department of Communication. And she does research that focuses on understanding how media and technology play a role in the social, physical, mental, and emotional health of children and adolescents. And she really wants to find ways that society, educators, parents, and others um, can leverage media and technology to support positive outcomes for children and families. So super relevant, especially, like I said, if you have kids or plan to or work with kids in any capacity. So Jane, thank you so much for joining the Know Why podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Well, I want to talk specifically to get started off about a study that you co-authored. It was published in a technology mind and behavior, and it was titled Structures for Screens, Longitudinal Associations Between Parental Media Rules and Problematic Media Use in Early Childhood. So that was kind of a mouthful. I may have butchered it a little bit, (laughs) but I enjoyed um, reading it and, and looking into this. I'm actually, I have two little ones myself. Uh, two little kids. So I'm actually, you know, wading through all of this myself. And I think a lot of our listeners um, are probably doing that too. So a lot of times when we think about problematic screen time habits for young people, I think we envision teenagers and that's certainly relevant, you know, with social media and everything like that. But you actually um, have written about how technology use for kids has increased for kids aged zero to eight. So can you talk about that increase in the last few years? Yeah. Um, So when we look at um, how little kids, right, so that like zero to eight age range are using media, um, between 2015 and 2019, we saw that kind of the average time that kids in that age range were using media um, more than doubled. So it was about a five hour increase. Um, And that was up till, those were the kind of the most recent stats as of 2019. Um, But obviously COVID has also kind of changed this landscape a lot. So when we're talking about children's screen time in like a post-COVID era, um, we saw that how much kids were using media and technology like really, really went up. 
um, which makes sense, right? Like parents were trying to work remotely or had lost childcare. Um, kids were online for school. Um, and so kind of as researchers who study children's media use, what we're really trying to figure out and pay attention to right now is if those COVID trends are kind of the new normal or if we're going to see kind of a decrease um, because now kind of the numbers that we're seeing and I'm seeing tossed around a lot, right. Are that kids are spending between three to seven hours um, on screens a day in the United States. And that starts as early as about four months. So wow. yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. Okay. Yeah. That seems like a lot, um, you know, but I know that that that's kind of a, across the spectrum of age, right. You know, where I, I can't remember, I, I was recently, I was reading it, I think earlier today, but kind of the average of even adults of how much time we're spending. And it, it's kind of shocking to think that it's actually really similar um, with kids as young as uh, babies. But can you tell more about the need for this study that we're talking about specifically and what you were uh, looking for when you started it? Yeah. Um, so I think with media and technology, being such a normal part of children's lives now, um, there's kind of this narrative that that's really bad for kids, right? And so a lot of parents, even though they kind of find that technology is in some cases like their only good option that they have to um, help with some of their parenting, depending on some of the pressures that they have, um, a lot of parents feel a lot of guilt around that. Um, and a lot of parents also kind of aren't really sure exactly what they should be doing um, in part because a lot of times like we parent the way that we saw our parents parent and that works really well until you're dealing with something like technology where most parents today didn't grow up with the same technology landscape. And so a lot of parents don't really have a good model for what parenting with media can look like. Um, and then they feel really guilty about letting their kid use any amount of media. And so um, what we wanted to do was kind of to think about this and think, okay, like we know organizations like the American Association of Pediatrics, they put out guidelines to kind of help parents, but we kind of wanted to see like, what are parents actually doing with their kids in terms of trying to provide structure and create rules to kind of help organize how their little kids are using media. And we were really interested in, so I guess like first, like what parents are actually doing, but then also like, what are the long-term outcomes for the way that children um, kind of have a relationship to media based on these rules that parents have. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of parents would be interested in knowing too, because like you said, it's hard, um, you know, to figure out what's right. Uh, we didn't have the same technology when we were being raised. And so you go from kind of being like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's, it can be so helpful or, you know, uh, surely it's not that bad versus you see these headlines being like, you know, screens are horrible. And, and so, and we were having, you know, a whole series on the know why podcast about healthy tech habits. Um, so that's, you know, it's a relevant conversation, but yeah, I, I'm interested to, to continue talking about kind of what you found, but first, um, did the rec you mentioned the recommendations from like the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, regarding technology use in early childhood and then what are parents actually doing? So did you find that there was a gap between those official recommendations and what's actually happening in families? Um, a little bit. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> so 
The AAP guidelines, um, they kind of, they updated them, I think a year or two ago now, maybe longer than that. Um, they used to be really rigid and like, this, like X amount of time for a child this age versus X amount of time for a child this age. And they've kind of loosened them up a little bit to kind of be like, oh, maybe, you know, um, so they suggest children under 18 months not having any screen time. And then kind of you can slowly scale that up until children two to three having about an hour a day. Um, and they recommend high quality programming. And then kind of their other suggestions that they have is that um, parents, they recommend parents use media with their child. So kind of being there to see what it is that your child's actually like the content they're actually consuming. And then they also suggest um, right, like turning off screens during meal times and an hour before bedtime to help kids with sleep. And so those are some of kind of the main things that we see. Mm-hmm. So in our study, um, we split, we asked parents about the ways that they were kind of the rules that they had about both tablets and television. Um, and so what we found was really interesting with this. So overall in our sample, we had about 400, um, 437 parents of children in the study and most kind of the majority of parents have some sort of rule about television. So it's like about 64% um, versus for tablets. Like most parents didn't really have rules about tablets at all. Um, But the most common rules that we did see were about screen time. So that one hour or less was kind of the most common thing that we saw um, parents implementing. The parents also, right? Like we're trying to limit, um, kids screen time before they went to bed or we're trying to think about right like you can use this after school so kind of limiting to types of day or you know after you've helped clean up or you have gone outside for a little bit then you can have screens and so we saw evidence that parents are trying to implement these and most common ones do line up with the AAP guidelines um, but definitely not super high numbers especially when we're talking about tablets. Okay. Mm, that's interesting. And so what are the outcomes of those kind of those who did have the screen time limits or had some roles, um, you know, whether it was specifically with TV or with tablets, did you see a difference in the actual kind of health or outcomes for the kids? Yeah. So we looked at one main outcome, um, it's what we call problematic media use. And it's basically a type of media use or kind of a relationship that a child can have with media where the way that they're using media and technology kind of becomes disruptive to other, um, other important aspects of their life. Right. So they're using technology instead of sleeping a lot or they um, are using media to like regulate, right. If they're upset, they use media to calm down. So that's kind of this like more maladaptive dependence on media. Um, And that's what we were measuring as our outcome. And so what we found was that over um, a two-year period, we didn't see any effects of the rules that parents had with television, um, which I don't think is really evidence that having rules about TV aren't helpful for children or aren't important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that most parents were doing something with TV and it seems that like that's working and the kids are doing okay. Um, on the other hand, what we found was that when children were two and a half if their parents weren't letting them use tablets at all and kind of were saying like, no, we don't do tablets. Um, those children had 
much lower levels of problematic media use two years later when they were um, four and a half than children whose parents weren't saying no to tablets. Um, I'm kind of with this finding again, like I don't know if I'm necessarily ready to say like, oh, this means tablets are like inherently awful and like they're going to be really bad for your kid. I just think it's that because most parents weren't creating rules about tablet use, that tablets were either, it was kind of like an all or nothing Mm. is what we saw in our sample. So like my guess would be that if we were to do this study again um, with parents who were like, okay, you can use tablets, but like only at a certain time or only for so long, like they're doing with television that we might see different effects. Um, But what we kind of have evidence for is that parents are forgetting about tablets when they set rules about media use. And, um, and that was kind of associated with more problematic media use over time. That's interesting. And something I think was in an article of yours that I saw um, on the Institute for Family Studies website where you said if there's not rules around a certain type of media or screen like a tablet, that it maybe will tend to be used more than the parents even realized. Like, you know, you just kind of use it whenever versus having clear guidelines. And that might be why it's affecting kids more. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) Um, And I think part of that is like when we think about tablets or like our smartphones, a lot of times we use them with little kids as kind of a quick fix or like kind of an emergency measure, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're in the car and you're upset. Like, I'm going to just like give you your iPad um, because I'm not really thinking about it, but like, this is just like the quick way to deal with this problem or, um, versus like TV when parents are like, you can watch an hour of TV every day. It's really easy to be like, Oh, you already had your hour. So now we're done. Versus if you don't have any sort of rule or structure with tablets, it's a lot harder to be like, Oh no, you've had too much. Cause you've never defined like what too much is mm. um, for you or for your child. Yeah, that's good. And I wanted to talk specifically about what you mentioned earlier, using it as emotional regulation or or like a quick fix. Um, because I think that is something that, I mean, I've noticed this as a parent, that sometimes you're just like, oh my goodness, okay, sit down and watch a show. <laughs> if your kid is yeah. having a meltdown or when you are in the store and then they start having a tantrum or something like that. And it can seem handy in those times, but that was one of the one of the examples of problematic media use was in kids growing up using media as emotional regulation. So why is that a problem? Yeah. um, So this kind of comes down to thinking about like how, like what emotion regulation is and like how it develops in early childhood. So emotion regulation, right, is just this like we experience emotions all day and we just like have to deal with them and find a way to um, process those emotions in like a healthy, productive way, right? Just like function in society. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times like there's different strategies that are going to be appropriate at different times, right? So if I am nervous about um, a presentation I have to give, right? Like I, I'm going to deal with that. There's going to be a better way to deal with that than versus if I'm at home and I'm nervous about something, I have different tools available to me. Mm-hmm. And so in early childhood, what happens is you can kind of think of like children come with like a little toolbox. And during early childhood, 
what they're doing is they're learning different ways that they can deal with emotions and they're kind of filling that toolbox up. And so what you want ideally is in early childhood for children to learn lots and lots of different ways to have a lot of tools so that when they are stressed or upset or sad, they can find the tool that is kind of the best for that situation. Mm-hmm. The problem with media is like media it can in technology, like can be a good way to deal with our emotions, right? Like if I'm, Something's making me anxious. Sometimes the best thing to do is just to focus on something else, right? And media can be really distracting and really good at that. The problem is that if that's kind of the go-to for children and that's all they learn how to do, then down the road, they only have that one tool, right? So there's going to be times when, right, if I'm nervous to give a presentation, I can't pull my phone out and start watching YouTube videos. I have to find a way to kind of process those feelings and still give my presentation. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's not that giving your child a phone or letting them watch some videos because they're upset is like necessarily bad. Um, It becomes a problem when that's like all that children are doing. And that's the only way that they know how to calm down. And so it's really about like, is this replacing other learning opportunities to learn how to calm down? Right. Are we, letting kids learn how to breathe deeply? Are we letting kids learn how to kind of on their own process and reframe um, a stressful or like distressing or um, experience, right? And so that's kind of where this becomes an issue. And what we find is when we do research on this, that when kids use media to regulate a lot, they end up needing it more and more, right? So like in the moment, if your kid is crying, it's really easy to be like, here's my phone. Everything's going to be fine. They calm down really quickly. Um, but what we found is that the more parents do that, kind of the more that they have to, and it becomes this really difficult cycle to break. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's also good and informative too, um, to think about it in terms of a toolbox and like, yeah, we, we have to learn how to deal with emotions. Um, if we're going to be healthy, productive people and, you know, as we grow. And so we don't want to stunt our child's development of their own tools to deal with that. Okay. But now, now let's say, okay, maybe there's someone listening who they've got older kids. And like you said, this is kind of a, a new territory in terms of generations that are being raised with technology, literally from being babies. Um, And so parents are kind of learning as we go, okay, how do we parent with all of this if we didn't have to experience this as young kids? So say there's someone listening and they're like, well, gosh, I haven't really implemented screen time rules or I didn't do that early on. And now I'm trying to catch up. Um, What is it too late? Like, can we, can we see improvement? How do we deal with this when you're older and then trying to form some healthy habits? Yeah. um, I think with teenagers, this becomes definitely more complicated, right? Like I don't think the research suggests, right. That it's ever too late to start changing the way that we interact with media. Um, But it definitely becomes harder. Um, And I can't pretend, right. That, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's important with this is like when we talk about using media to regulate, um, this becomes like a really, really, like I cannot say a really important part of the conversation when we talk about social media and mental health for teenagers. 
Um, so we find that teenagers who are really good at regulating um, their emotions, social media isn't as bad um, in terms of mental health outcomes as it is for kids who really struggle to regulate. Mm-hmm. And so um, when we're thinking about like a parent, a teenager, um, kind of helping them to find different strategies for regulating that aren't media becomes this really essential way that parents can help their kids have better experiences on social media. Um, I will say though, so this is like that facet of it, right. Is thinking about like emotion regulation and like, is my teenager using social media or just technology in general to regulate? Um, and if that's happening, right. Like how can I help them find other ways to, to deal with, um, emotions and to deal with, right. Like anxiety and being stressed or nervous or sad and upset. The other part of this though, is thinking, um, so with our study, um, the one that we were talking about earlier, we are talking a lot about like parents creating these rules that they're giving to their kids. And this is super effective. And this is kind of the best way to think about media parenting for, for littles, right? For that zero to eight range. Um, but as kids get older, right? Like they have more autonomy. They need to learn how to kind of do this for themselves. And so the focus kind of becomes less of like, as a parent, I'm going to tell you how to use media and technology. And I would really suggest, right, like being able to collaborate with your child and be like, okay, like I'm worried about this aspect. I'm noticing this. Like, what do you think about this? How can I help support you in having a good relationship with media and technology? Um, Kind of the word that we use for this in like, as like researchers, as we talk about um, pre-arming, right, and helping your child as a teenager to kind of have tools they can use to think about like that they can carry into adulthood, right? And think about using these tools to kind of form their own relationship with media and technology and help that to be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it's not too late, I would say that like using strategies that work for small children isn't going to be as effective with a teenager um, as using something that's more collaborative and more supportive of um, your child's like autonomy and kind of their own experiences that they're having. Mm, yeah. That's, that's really good advice. So back to parents of little kids, um, you've talked about, you know, problematic media use. We've kind of focused on the emotional regulation, um, aspect, but is our, what are just some signs or symptoms, if you will, uh, for people wondering, well, I don't know, is, you know, does my kid have a problematic relationship with media or are they just a normal four-year-old that, you know, throws a fit when they don't get something that they like, you know? So if someone's wondering what are some telltale signs that a littler child might be having a problematic relationship and need to scale back? Yeah. Um, I think like an important thing to remember is that kids really like media and technology, right? Like they like to play games on their tablets. They really like to watch their shows. Mm -hmm. Um, that's very normal. Um, it kind of becomes an issue. We start thinking about um, kind of how, again, like is media the only thing that will calm your child down? Like that's going to be a really obvious sign. Um, If your child has like this is like this growing desire and like tolerance, right? Like if your kid can sit in front of the TV for hours and hours and hours on end, like that might be an issue. And usually kids will maybe start to get bored eventually. Another, another, another interesting kind of thing to think about is that the best predictor of 
children's relationship with media, parents' relationship with media. So I think a good sign, I think like maybe something to think about for parents, right, is like, do I feel like I have a bad relationship with media? And if parents feel like they do, there's a good chance, like that is a good predictor that children might start to struggle. Um, But it also means, right, that parents, if parents can kind of work to have a better relationship with media on their own, um, that usually will trickle down to their children as well. And sometimes that can be an easier place for parents to feel like they can start um, it's kind of modeling and having kind of a better use of media themselves. Mm, that's so good. We want to set that example and which is something again, that we are focusing on in this series um, of te- healthy tech habits that we're doing at Know Why. We've got other episodes that focus specifically, you know, for those of us who are adults, how we can develop healthier habits. And that's such a good point that that's really the place to start if we're wanting to help our families and our, our little kids implement those as well. Um, Jane, this has all been so great and informative. But before we wrap up, if there's just like one takeaway when it comes to understanding kids and media use, what is that? What do you want to leave with listeners? Oh, um, I have two. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for the first thing for me um, is that a lot of parents, like we see over and over again, and I hear from parents all the time, right, that they feel really guilty and really defeated um, in this area of parenting. Um, but a good way, um, there's a researcher, her name's Heather Kikorian, that she describes this that I think works really well that I wish kind of parents could think about is that, like, think of your kid today as a pie chart, right? And we know that kids need to get good sleep. Um, they need to have good social interaction. They need to right spend time with their family. They need to get healthy food. They need to get outside a little bit and exercise. Um, and all those things take up time on this pie chart of a child today. Um, but once all those buckets have been filled, right, your kid's getting a good night's sleep. We've spent time with them. There's usually some leftover time. And that's time that can be media technology time. And that's not going to be nearly as much of an issue as if it's eating into those other important areas. And so sometimes it's good just to think like, okay, did I spend some time with my kid today? Did they get a good night's rest? Have they been outside for a little bit? If all those buckets are checked, right. As a parent, you can be like, cool. Like I, I filled up the pie chart. My kid's going to be all right for the day. And it's okay for them, right. To be on their tablet now because they've done all these other things. Mm. Um, that's kind of the first, like, I'm, probably more practical thing. And the second main takeaway that I have is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that children are spending so much time um, online and with technology. And it's really a space that was not designed for children. Um, It was not, the internet was not built, right? Knowing that children were going to grow up there in that space. Um, And when we look in the United States, um, and at the, in every state, right, in the country at the federal level, um, we're trying to think about how we can regulate and kind of implement policies that will help media and technology be better spaces for children um, and for teenagers to be. And so I think when we, like as a researcher, when I study this, there's so much that parents can do, but also like we need to help this be a space on kind of a more social macro level that's really good for children. And so my other takeaway, right, is like wherever you live to think about the different um, kind of figure out like what are the different ways that policymakers 
for your state are trying to regulate and help media and technology be better for kids and kind of like become informed on that and like communicate that with um, your representatives, because that's really, I think, how we're going to be able to make media and technology a healthy, a healthy space for children to grow up in the future. Um, and we don't have that right now. And I think that's why we're seeing kind of so much of the negatives when like we know that there could be more positives. So those are kind of, those are my two takeaways. Oh, yeah, that's great. And I love kind of just bringing that, both of those were, you know, really practical. One, thinking of your child today and, you know, not just being weighed down by guilt as a parent, but like, okay, you know, here are actual practical tools that I can use to see, uh, you know, are we doing okay? And then also to for the bigger picture, if you want to take action, if you want to make a difference, here's how you do it. So thank you so much for mentioning that and making people aware, like that's something that we can take action on. And so um, we're going to have links posted at knowwhypodcast.com related to what we've talked about in this episode. And so we'll try to put some links on there as well. Just if people are like, how do I even find, you know, my my state, you know, politicians, uh, offices or contact information. There are websites that help with that. So we can post those too. Um, and so, yeah, look, look for that. If you want to take action on the things that Jane has talked about and Jane, thank you again for joining the know why podcast. This has been such an informative conversation, very helpful to a lot of listeners, I'm sure. And we just appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening to the Know Why podcast and stay tuned for more important topics like healthy tech habits.